Good evening, everybody. I trust that we are all doing well. I hope we all had a good Christmas. For some, they will also consider it a holiday. Amen. Well, let's start off with a word of prayer and get right into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening as we come before your presence. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is the master teacher, master instructor, master orchestrator of tonight's session. We give you praise, O oh Lord, for the leadership of the Holy Spirit in this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. So as per custom, we normally like to dedicate the last Sunday of the year to questions and answers or a Q&A as it's normally called. So any question that we may have from any of the Bible study topics or Sunday sermons or anything you read privately that you may need more clarity, and I might like to use this hour to be able to bring some clarity through the help of the Holy Spirit. So that's what today is all about. Amen. So the floor is open. If anyone has any question, anything, then we can talk about it. Or any doctrinal issue that might be trending that you might need clarification, it could also be asked. Amen. The floor is open. God bless you. So we've looked at the parables. Do we have any questions on parables? It was one topic when I used uh, when I, when I, uh, I taught throughout the year. At the back of my mind, I'm always saying, "Wow, do they understand it? Do they have questions? What are they thinking?" You know, I always had that at the back of my mind, but I I didn't receive any questions, so I want to believe it was. Claire, but if you have any questions that you might need more clarity on, it could be asked. Amen. Uh, so this is more, this is not even really my question. Uh, this is actually um, Mr. Hayford's question. Um, and I mean, it's kind it's, it's more of an um, insightful observation, perhaps, than 
but it's interesting in scripture to 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 notice something like this. So what it is is that um, when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right, um, and we read about Jesus's um, upbringing, birth, his resurrection, his death, uh, we hear a lot about Mary, um, his mother, and his role, her role throughout the whole entire time. But Joseph, we only hear mm, very small bits about him. So it kind of leaves you wondering, where was Joseph in, in all of this? Why, why was, I mean, can we really answer why scripture was quiet on it? Because scripture is quite on a lot of topics, but it's just interesting that he really only mentions the mother. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I've been thinking a lot about that, actually. This is why I'm, I'm bringing it up. Um, because I find it interesting. And we, I think we can assume, maybe. But I mean, unless you have some thoughts on that. All right. That's a good question. But your key word you mentioned there was assume. So we can only just assume. We can't really have any biblical conclusions. I really don't know why um, Joseph... It's not thrown more light. You know, um, Joseph doesn't have any prominent feature in the birth of Christ. Maybe, but that's an assumption. So everything I'll say. So once I use the word maybe, it's an assumption. When I start the sentence with maybe, that, that means uh, we assume it. Maybe um, Jesus's father had to be God. Because, you know, the blood type of a child is determined by the, 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 the paternity of a family, which is the father. All right. So maybe uh, Joseph had to really be in the background for Mary to take the center stage because uh, the, the legal entry to this F is through the birth canal of a woman, you know. It's, it's a reason why perhaps Joseph and Mary did not have to come together and produce Jesus, but it had to be the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary for Jesus to be conceived in human form. So maybe that, that, that could be many of the reasons. But with, with assumptions, we are always very careful to um, state the facts because it, it could be here and there, you know. Yeah, uh, but that's actually a solid, yeah. that's a, a solid point. Actually, I think I read that somewhere. Um, oh my God, I forget where. I don't know if it was a commentary or a devotional, something about um, the, that they couldn't call Joseph father. Um because of this because uh jesus's father was god and so you couldn't really make joseph father in that sense he was just um um actually i think i read something today so really uh joseph was there for lineage purposes for the lineage purpose um to fulfill scripture so um, I, I think it's a solid point. I appreciate you bringing that up. That's a solid one. Thank you. Yeah. Well.
Uh, one of the things about the Bible is that where the Bible is silence, you try to be silent. And where the Bible is loud, you try to be loud. Where is silence, it just gives room for our imaginations, you know, and assumptions and sort of that. And there is nothing wrong imagining or assuming. But sometimes you just want to put the bricks on imaginations because imaginations can run wild. But, but for me, that that's my loud thinking. It, it could be that. Someone else will also have a good point. Like what you are saying is also a good point. It could be there just for lineage purposes so that when they are tracing Jesus' genealogy, uh, you know, it, it, he, Joseph could also become a key part and key factor. And as we saw in, in the book of Matthew, Amen. Amen. Okay. Was well, anything else to say? Maybe you also have a thought on it. Uh, I also like to hear on that. So, if you have anything else to say, that would be good. All right, there's a question. Why did Jesus sometimes charge people to go tell others of their miracles and other times to remain silent? So two scriptures have been given. Luke chapter 8, verse 56, and Luke 8, verse 39. So let's look at those two scriptures. So Luke 8, in context from verse 26, it talks to us about the madman of Gadara. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you read Mark chapter 5, it gives a very elaborate um, um, account of what happened to the man. And the Bible lets us know that the man was mad and he got healed. And when he got healed, from verse 38, the Bible lets us know that now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed through the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. In fact, when you read Mark chapter 5, this story is in Mark chapter 5. The Bible says he went to Decapolis. And the capitalist means he went to 10 cities, right? So he just didn't tell his whole city, the region of Gadarene. He actually went to nine other cities. So he went to 10 cities and proclaimed the news of what had been told. So now let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 56.
And this was a very interesting story because um, this story talks to us about Jairus. All right. <clears throat> this same scripture is in Mark chapter 5, verse 35. So in Mark chapter 5, verse 35, it talks to us about Jairus. So Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. His daughter was dead. And Jesus went to the house and miraculously healed the child, resurrected the child from the dead. And then look at verse 55. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them not to tell anyone what had happened. Amen. So you know what? Let's look at Mark chapter 5's version. Mark 5. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be afraid, only do not be afraid, only believe. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of Jesus. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult. And those who wept and wept loudly when he came, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. <clears throat> now, if you read further, the Bible says that they ridiculed and laughed at him. So Jesus had to put everybody out, with the exception of the ruler of the synagogue, his immediate family, and Peter, James, and John. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talita Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. Amen. So, why did Jesus sometimes charge people to go tell others of their miracles and other times to remain silent? <clears throat> the thing about Jesus was that he wanted to be known. He wanted to be known as Savior. He wanted to be known as the Lord. So it might even sound like an oxymoron here. Like in one instance, he's telling somebody, go and say great things that have happened. Then in this instance, immediately he just finished healing another person. All right. So after he healed um, Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood followed. And after the woman with the issue of blood, then Jairus' daughter. But now in this story, we see that when it came to Jairus' daughter, Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue, the instruction concerning Jairus' daughter is that don't tell anybody. 
And I really want to believe that the reason why Jesus said that was because he was also looking at the atmosphere. It was an atmosphere of ridicule, an atmosphere of scorn, an atmosphere of unbelief. And perhaps that may be the reason why Jesus will say, don't bother saying anything. Amen. So looking at the immediate context of the story, that will be my conclusion. Because Jesus actually came to be known. Is Jesus' greatest pleasure to publish miracles? Is Jesus' greatest pleasure to publish good news? But a place where he will be ridiculed, a place where he will be scorned, a place where through him people will be caused to move in unbelief, it, it will be better not to um, share the message because it's still going to cause people to fall. Amen. So that would be my little conclusion. If you have any contribution on that, I would like to hear about that. Hi, yes, thank you. Um, yeah, I want to make a small contribution to add to what you're saying. Um, the other thing that maybe is another reason might it's just how I see it, I guess. Um, sometimes in the scriptures, people, he didn't want people to believe because they saw a miracle. Because like you said, it wouldn't be solid. It wouldn't be a, a real believer per se, if you want to put it like that. Um, he wanted people to believe that it was him. And so then the miracles come. So that's just something I notice. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but it's just something I notice. Yeah. Uh, when you read Luke chapter 2, verse 34, um, Luke chapter 2 really talks to us about um, when Jesus had to be um, purified. Amen. And the Bible lets us know that when Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the rise and the fall of many in Israel, and for a sign which, be, which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So Jesus came. It, it, it's through Jesus that many will rise. It's through him too that many will fall. You understand? And what, what does that mean? It simply means that it's not everybody that will be able to accept the message when it comes to him being the Savior, comes to him being the Lord. And a typical example is found here. And Jesus was also quite sensitive to atmosphere, to perception. And when he realizes that the whole region is walking in unbelief, there will be no need sharing the gospel because you will not believe anyway. When you read Mark chapter 6, it talks about that, that Jesus could not do any mighty miracles. He was the same one that healed Jairus, same one that healed the man, man of Gadara, the same one who the lady with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment and felt virtue. Yet this saying Jesus in Mark chapter 6, 
just one chapter after. Is in Mark chapter 5, you see the madman of Gadara, the one the issue of blood, then Jairus' daughter. Then chapter 6, he couldn't do any miracles because he marveled at their unbelief. So unbelief is a strong turn off. So Jesus may not want to for the miracles to be published because in an atmosphere of ridicule and in an atmosphere of scorn where people are not perceptive to the things of God, what good will the message do? Amen. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus also ministered in parables because of the gross dullness of the hearts of his audience. They would not be able to receive so. He just coded this message. And then when he had a private audience with his disciples, he would begin to unveil the mysteries of the parables to them. Amen. Now, I want to believe your question is answered. Okay. For those that just joined, we are just, you know, there's the last there's the last Wednesday of the year, so we are just um taking a QA. If we have any questions, any um pressing needs concerning the scripture, we, we are here to answer. Any teaching that you might need more clarification, anything you read privately that you may need certain understanding, or you know, any trending doctrinal issue, we could just discuss it in, in, in the light of scripture and with the help of the Holy Spirit. So basically, that's all that we are doing tonight. Amen. That's a very good question. That's a very good question. I've, I've never even thought about it before, seriously. Yeah, that's a very good question. Never thought about it. You know, there are some things you just read it in the Bible and you've just read it. I know I have read this, but I've never even thought about it like, wow, why would Jesus tell some people to go and publish the miracles and other people just to remain silent of the miracles? That's a very good question. It's a very good observation. I've learned something today. Amen.
Let's see. Did you read any scripture that you were like, what does this mean? On your own. Are we all good? Okay. Um, I have, have something maybe uh, we could discuss also. I, it's just something I've been thinking about on my own. Like if I, so it's a scenario. Um, I said, you know, if if an atheist were to come right and we're we're evangelizing to them right um how because they don't they so i've talked to some of them i mean i i understand like we have to uh we have to pray about it and ask for the holy spirit conviction but what is the best way or maybe scripture that we can use to have an atheist understand faith. Because, well, anyway, I'll let you answer that. And then number two, right, um, we were listening to, um, uh, I believe, uh, uh, the preacher, and uh, the, the guy had asked that question, and I, and I was also thinking, that's why I'm coming up with this question. Um, that some atheists, like they, they have a hard time believing in in a God that is good. If Jesus has died for all of our sins, right? Um, then how come we still live in a broken world? And I think that's an important discussion because I think that even Christians we struggle with that sometimes, and. People who, who there's Christians falling away because of this reason, and I think it's something that is important to talk about. Like, how do we? Those are the two questions. Okay. So does, the first does that make sense? 
Am I clear? I know. So the first question is about how do you uh, minister to an atheist? Mm -hmm. And the second one, you are just asking a pressing question. Yeah, because some, so because some, it has to do with the first. So some atheists would, the reason that they're atheists is because they feel that the world is broken. So why is this world still broken if Jesus came to die for everybody's sins? So how do we minister to a person like that? Okay. So <clears throat> the thing about um, who is an atheist, I think an atheist by definition is a person who lacks belief in the existence of a god or gods. That's an atheist. Or there are some people who say that he has no organized religion. Because some people see all other religions as organized religions. And what's an organized religion? In a sense that is institutionalized, you have a place of meeting, you have days that you meet, you have a book or a code by which you go by. You know, for Christians, we go by the Bible and things like that. Uh, we minister to them the gospel. And it's not up to us to change an atheist. It's the power of the gospel that's, that's that. So we just have to minister the gospel to them. Let me read a scripture in Second Timothy. Now, this is a scripture where Paul was talking to Timothy about um, who a servant of the Lord is, how a servant of the Lord should, excuse me, behave. So he's still on that trend. So I just want to pick something in verse 24. Something very key is there. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patience. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Who is in opposition of the gospel? Sinners, atheists, everyone. In cor correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So first and foremost, atheism is not a belief. Atheism means you are under the snare of the devil. For you to come to a place where you don't believe in the existence of God, because David even said it, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. There is God. There is the existence of God. So up to us, our intellect, or high, how fine we will discuss the points of our message to them, it's not what is going to bring them to repentance. It's God that will grant them repentance. Our job is to make the gospel clear to them. And don't be intimidated by their beliefs. Make the gospel clear to them. Explain to them why Jesus died on the cross. Explain to them who God is. Explain to them the benefits of our salvation. Explain to them the afterlife. That's why we live in this broken world. Because according to the book of Revelation, there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. Why is this world broken? 
this world is broken because of sin. There is something called the doctrine of sin, which is a whole thing. And then just believe God to bring them to repentance. I think many, many a times we are just trying too hard using our own intellect, using our fine presentation skills to bring people to repentance, especially those who are of the atheist um, sect. And if, if you do that, you are really going to be hitting yourself against a wall. It's God that grants people to repentance. On your part, what you have to do is that you have to be able to know the word of God and trust the Holy Spirit enough on how to convey the message of truth. And then just leave, leave the repentance to God. And then one, one such thing too that we can also do for people is that we have to know that they are taken captive by the snare of the devil. We have to intercede for them. So when you minister the gospel, intercede for people like that. Intercede for people like that. You'll be surprised. Um, believe more in the power of the gospel. I remember once, once upon a time, I met a Muslim, a hardcore Muslim from Beth. He was playing, you know, in Ghana, we call some game called drafts. He was just playing drafts. I just preached John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish. In my mind, I didn't say anything outstanding. In my mind, I, I didn't say anything outstanding. I just quoted a scripture, just broke the scripture down. Can you believe that the guy got convicted, stopped the draft, told me he's a Christian, went into the house, picked up his Quran, and told me to burn the Quran? Just like that. It was witnessing without sweats. It wasn't about presentation. It wasn't about eloquence. No, 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 no. It was just about the power of the gospel. That's what I'm just trying to say. So believe more in the power of the gospel than, oh, I believe in my oratorial ability to be able to bring someone to Christ if I'm able to bring these fine points across board. No. Believe more in the power of the gospel. Believe more in the power of the gospel. Then that, that's all that I want to say. Believe more in the power of the gospel. And I've seen many testimonies like that. You and I, we've witnessed along the streets, and we've seen many fine testimonies like that. People just receiving Christ. And sometimes you ask, them, what did we even say? What did we even say? It's just believing in the power of the gospel. Let's believe in the power of the gospel. We lead them to Christ. They say the sinner's prayer, and that's it. They don't come to church, but praise God, I believe that they are saved, you know, whatever. Our job is to witness. It's God's job to gather the harvest for us. Amen. So be believe in the power of the gospel. Believe that the, the, your, um, the gospel has enough power without your eloquence to change people. Otherwise, if you rely too much on your eloquence, you'll be very intimidated ministering to people. So when you believe in the power of the gospel, you can minister to anybody. A satanist, an atheist, 
whoever. All because I'm just relying on the power of the gospel. It's not about eloquence for me. Power of the gospel. Amen. So I, I, I think that I want us to trust more in the power of the gospel. Like Apostle Paul. Do you know how difficult it was to preach to a Corinthian? You know, if you look at Apostle Paul's climate of Corinth and bring it today mm. and send a Bible school, a, a, a Bible school um, graduates to go and plant a church there, he will come up with terms like, oh, the ground is hard. That's why the church is not working. It's true. He'll, he'll come out and say to us, oh, the, the, the grounds are hard. You know, sometimes there are some people who are not able to make headways or make inroads when it comes to the gospel being preached, the gospel being made clear. And they will be saying things like, oh, the ground is hard. <laughs> we, we hear it among ourselves, like if you are a pastor, missionary or something, here among them, the, the grounds are hard. The ground is up. Corinth was a very hard place to preach the gospel. Because these people were almost like atheists, very satanic, mm -hmm. very, very ill-disciplined. It was a very tough place to minister to. Very intellectual. It was out of Corinth that, you know, almost all the philosophies that govern the world today came from. It started from there. The philosophies of sports, democrata, that was democracy and all those things, it all started from there. These people moved with brain power. Yeah. But when Paul ministered to them, he said, I did not come to you in the eloquence. And Bible historians say that Paul was a stammerer. Imagine that. You go into such a place and then you stutter on top of that. You know, it was said that Paul was a very good writer. History has said that it's conclusively proven that he was an excellent writer. But people said he wasn't really an eloquent speaker because he stammers. And there are many, you know, biblical priests which I don't even want to go into. But just imagine. But he said, I just went there to let Christ, only Christ be known, and him being crucified. I did not come to you with the excellency or the, the human wisdom and, and the verbiage and verbosity of whatever. But I came in the demonstration of the spirits and power. All this, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 4. That was how he was able to break through the very cold region of Corinth. Let's believe in the power of the gospel. Amen. Who has anything else to say? So never be afraid of anybody's spiritual standing. Size it up with the power of the gospel. Okay, it's like a David and Goliath situation. Size it up with the power of the gospel. Oh, I'm a Satanist. Don't let your heart skip a beat. 
size it up with the power of the gospel. Oh, I'm an atheist, you know. Don't be afraid. Size it up with the power of the gospel. Right? Size up with the power of the gospel. Oh, I'm a universalist. Size it up with the power of the gospel. Size it up with the power of the gospel. That's all. And then let Christ be known. And let God do his job. It's God that brings people to repentance. It's God that grants repentance, not you. Amen. Amen. So let's try and understand that. Amen. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Lily, the point on the eloquence and the getting stuck on the presentation. And you know, like you said, just one verse and you just preach from that one verse what you knew and just like God to the work. That was powerful. And I I like the scripture, Second uh, Timothy two two twenty four. Yeah. And and also in instances like this, be led by the spirits. Be led by the spirit. Because you, you know, God there is a popular saying, there is a million ways to kill a cat. God has many ways on which to bring people to repentance. Seriously. Many, many, many ways. Many, many ways. Sometimes you might not even talk about the scripture, you might even talk about creation. He has many ways of bringing people to repentance. The Ethiopian eunuch, look at how he was converted. He was reading Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. He was reading about the suffering of Christ. The suffering of Christ, which was prophesied by Isaiah. Where the scripture said that he will be beaten, he will not look like a man, he has no comeliness. That's the scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. And it's through that scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch received Christ as his Lord and personal Savior. I mean, I've heard many evangelistic sermons. I've not heard an evangelistic sermon from Isaiah 53. Maybe someone has ministered, but I personally, I haven't heard it. So that's what I'm saying. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Trust in the power of the gospel. Amen. We have nine minutes on the clock. Maybe we can take one or two more questions and we'll be done.
Are we all good? So since you don't have any questions, what have you learned this year? Throughout all our Bible studies we have done, has anything really ministered to you? What have you what what has been your take home this year? Anything that stood out to you throughout all the 52 Wednesdays? I'd like to hear from you then since there's no more question. Anything outstanding, anything ministered to you? Anything that caused you to make a false adjustments in your faith? It'd be nice to share. Because the importance of Bible study is not for it to fill our heads with knowledge, it's to fill our hearts with action. We don't come to Bible study just to know. We come to Bible study to act and to do. Amen. So which word challenged you? Which word has ministered to you? Amen. Oh, for this, I want to hear everybody say something before we close. Oh, I'll type it in the chat. Because the word that we are hearing, it should have a great effect on our lives. Okay, you can talk. Okay. Uh, I think the, personally, the most impactful, um, some of the most impactful, because I, you know, sometimes we learn like tidbits throughout the year, and sometimes that one tidbit makes a big difference. Um, I've had a lot of those, but the most impactful was um, when we uh, studied uh, David, the study of David, because you, it's, it was just so powerful. Um, from so many angles um, on his, his heart towards God and his servanthood towards God and uh, how he treated the things of God. And, and I liked that we really went in depth into it and we took our time with it, um, especially with somebody like King David, you know, because you see somebody who was taken, who looked like nothing to become one of the greatest kings of Israel and sometimes you know for 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 me i i see it like god can use anybody in anything no matter where they come from female male poor 
not it, it like it really doesn't matter. You think you're smart, but you're not smart. It really doesn't matter yeah. um, that God can use it. And, and I think that that was like a that was big, you know, and and the way um, and and just David's heart. Uh, even the study that um, that you had me lead, um, just you know, learning about that, it it changed me. I don't think I could completely express it, but it, it definitely did minister to me. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. I was equally blessed by that series on David. All, all of you did well. Minister Lily, Pastor Roberts, Pastor Jessica. You, you all put your foot in that one. I was powerful. I was blessed. I want to take last one contribution before we are done for tonight. If not, one person joined us, so let's afford them the opportunity to also ask a question, if they may have. Today is just Q&A. I'm learning how to be patient, to actually believe what I read in the Bible, to meditate on the Word. On the message, I agree with Pastor Jessica. God can use anybody, and I'm still learning every day. Thank God. Oh, that's powerful. That's really encouraged me. Amen. This is what makes ministry worth it. When one person is impacted, it, it, makes, it makes every blood, sweat, and tears of ministry worth it. Everything. Everything. Because ministry is about changing lives of people, bettering people, impacting people. There's just one person is taking that's it. It's worth it. It's worth all the hustle. It's worth all the struggle. It's worth all the inconvenience. It's worth it's worth everything. Every difficulty you go through to make the gospel ex expansive. It's worth it. Amen. So I'm very encouraged by that. Thank you very much. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that we should put our foot in and press the pedal to the metal and keep it going. Amen. Encourage. It's a minute to close. <laughs> Let me use this opportunity to thank all of you this year. Thank you. Every week on a Wednesday, you've always shown up. You know, without you and the audience, there is no gathering. So thank you, all of you, for making time. It's hard making time on a weekday evening, you know, because most times people might go to work and they are tired and have to get stuff and have to prepare for the next day. And in the middle of the week for you to just have one hour of your time just to come to Bible study. It ministers to me very greatly. So thank you so much. And please remember that God does see your labor of love. He does. And it will never go unrewarded. Okay? So uh, be encouraged by that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the wonder-working power of your word. Even as we Enter into next year, O oh Lord. We are expectant of what you will do. 
We thank you for formation of your son and us that truly we will conform to the image of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Next week will be 3rd January, right? So from the 1st to the 7th of January, we will be doing a program called FIRST. FIRST. Why do we call it FIRST? We want to commit the first week of our year to the Lord in prayer. We want to pray and commit our plans to him. We want to pray and commit the direction of the year to him. We want to pray and commit every aspect of this year to him. Okay, so we'll be praying from Monday the 1st to um, the 7th. 7th, we are not going to pray. 7th, we are just going to have a service at church. That will be the first Sunday of the year and crown it off. But we are, we are going to be praying every weeknight from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on this platform. Amen. So we are just going to pray, commit our year to the Lord, commit our aspirations, commit the, the, the direction of this year into the hands of the Lord. Um, 31st December, we'll just have a Sunday service and then that'll be it. Amen. But from January 1st to the 7th, we are going to be praying. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's commit just the first week of our year to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Let's just pray. Amen. So we are just going to be doing that. So our first Wednesday of the year, we are not having midweek Bible study. We'll rather be praying. Okay. So please, I want all of you to join in from the first to seventh. Let's come in. Let's pray. And let's believe God for greater things in 2024. Good night, guys. Love you. And on this note, let me wish you all a happy new year in advance. Blessings.